Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and subscribe on iTunes so you don't miss a single episode. And if you like the show and think we deserve a five-star rating, and obviously we do, rate us and post a review. Also, although our main purpose in life is to entertain you, producing this show costs actual money. So please help out by going to patreon.com slash Gilbert Gottfried and pledging your support to receive all sorts of goodies, merchandise, personalized roast, and shout-outs, advanced access to episodes, or personal messages from me, Gilbert Gottfried. And if we raise enough, maybe I can finally get a new co-host. I'm thinking of the Scarlett Johansson robot. Gilbert Gottfried, this is Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. We're once again recording at Nutmeg with our engineer, Frank Verderosa. Our guest this week is one of the busiest, most versatile, and most admired actors of the past four decades. You know his work from iconic movies like War Games, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and The Lion King, as well as dozens of other popular films, including Glory, Biloxi Blues, Torch Song Trilogy, The Freshman, The Cable Guy, Inspector Gadget, Tower Heist, B-Movie, and the film that the two hosts of this show are especially fond of, Election. Notable TV appearances include Frasier, Saturday Night Live, 30 Rock, Martin, Modern Family, Louie and the Jim Gaffigan Show, as well as made-for-TV movies like The Music Man and A Life in the Theater. In a career spanning 35 years, he's worked with icons like Jack Lemmon, Marlon Brando, Neil Simon, Dustin Hoffman, Anthony Hopkins, Mike Nichols, and Sean Connery, to name but a few. But there's more. He's also a busy and celebrated stage performer who starred in hit shows such as Brighton Beach Memoirs, It's Only a Play, The Odd Couple, Nice Work If You Can Get It, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, for which he won a Tony Award as Best Actor, and of course the timid accountant, Leo Bloom, in Mel Brooks, The Producers. Please welcome to the show a fellow admirer of the great Sidney Lumet and a man far too famous and successful to be appearing on this podcast, <laughs> Matthew Broderick. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that lengthy introduction. Yeah. That was a two-pager. Yeah, you wow. can leave now. That was basically... <laughs> so that's it? That's, that's <laughs> that was the great. intro that's two pages. Thank and, you. And I got to tell you, uh, as as we're recording today, 
Uh, Matt, you have already done a matinee. Yes. So you've done a matinee, and in the middle of it, you're doing this interview, and then you got to rush back yeah, tonight to do right. another play. I know. Yeah. So I we appreciate that. Oh, my my pleasure. What a trooper. But but I have to preface this interview by by saying what everyone has told me not to say. Uh oh. <laughs> I fucking hated Ferris Bueller's oh. Day. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, way to welcome the guy. <laughs> Who told you not to say that? <laughs> I, I may have said don't lead with it. Oh, don't lead with it. Warm, warm him up. Yeah. Now, <laughs> Why do you hate it? I don't, I mean, like we had Peter Bogdanovich on this show. Yeah. His mother saw- Do you like Red, Paper Moon? We do. Yeah. Yeah. His, his mother had seen Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah. And she hated it. And she said that it, it idolizes like, you know, right. just everything young people do is great. Yeah. And old people are idiots. Right. I and, hate that kind of movie, too. Yeah. I know what she means. Yeah. Now, what, what, what is interesting is you now, mm-hmm. as an adult yeah. and a married man with children, yeah. what do you think of both the movie and the character? Of, uh, of Ferris, Ferris Bueller. Well, I th- I like unlike you, I like the movie. I, fuck I, you! I fuck you too. Right? You could say fuck on this show. Yes, it's yes. the yes. internet. That's Blow great. job, anything. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow, it's um, loose. Uh, it, it, for the home viewer, I'm blushing. Yeah, yes, <laughs> he is. I can attest to it. Um, uh, I, I you know I lo- I love that movie. I, I it's uh, I mean I hate young people too. I know what you mean, <laughs> but. Uh, but but I like the you know I think uh, John Hughes did a beautiful job I think it's like a a wonderful little lark and uh, I'm amazed at how it's held up. Just celebrated an anniversary. Thirty, yeah, 30 years. Thirty years. Yeah, I think. Yeah. 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 Everybody keeps telling me they're happy birthday. Thirty years. A lot of people come up to you and do dialogue. Well, that five. Is, is, yeah. Five. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it's interesting that after the success of that movie, a movie I fucking hated, by the way. Yeah, you said But, <laughs> but he loves elections. He's, yeah, we're, I did. Uh, we're trying yeah. to mitigate this. Thanks. And, and it's like, I'm sure after the success of that movie, people are coming to you with scripts like, oh, this is a smart-ass guy yeah. <laughs> who's always wheeling and dealing yeah. and ahead of everybody. Yeah, I you know I was a little bit doing that before because uh, the Neil Simon plays, you know Brighton Beach and was a kind of a wisecracking uh, writer guy, D- different, yeah, a little bit. But I was already in the habit of the uh, kind of know it all or whatever. Um, and after that, yeah, you know, like everybody though, you, you try, particularly when you're starting out, you get scared. I'm gonna just always have to. I got to make sure I, I show everybody I can do everything, you know? So I was very, I was trying to, it might not look like it, but I was always trying to find parts that were uh, different from what I had just done, you know? Because Ferris Bueller is this character who, did I mention? I you fucking hate. hate. Yeah. And, and when I see you in that, and this is a compliment, actually, because <laughs> when I see you in that, I want to punch you out. Right. Thank you. And, <laughs> That's how convincing it but, is. It's but great. when and but then you also do films like Election and other parts where you're a total loser. Yeah. And you're just like yeah. dumped on. <laughs> and and I believe that when you do it. <laughs> you do? Yeah. That's yeah. a that's a brave part, Jim Jim McAllister. Jim McAllister. 
I love that part. I love that book. I read it. I just laughed when I read it. Tom Parada. Uh, yeah, Tom Parada and uh, and uh, and the screenplay too. Um, Alexander Payne and um, it was. Uh, yeah, I hadn't played a part that dumpy. I don't think at that point. Then I got stuck in those for a while, though. Ah, you know, anytime you have any anything goes well, they go. This is what yeah, he does. and you do too. And then you think, oh God, I've been playing these kind of schmucky, put upon guys for oh five, you know, years pass, and you say, what's happened? Maybe a credit to you though, because that role is so you're just so perfect in it. Well, and thank a- you. Yeah, no, I, I, it's a great role, but I, that way, even that, I started feeling like I got to make sure that I. It doesn't seem like I always have to play the schlub. You know, it's funny because we just presented at the film forum. Uh, and we just introduced King the King of Comedy. Yeah. And, and election. Jim Taylor wrote of the screenplay. I, for some reason, my brain is right, my Taylor good friend. He's like one yes. of my closest friends. And I had the honor of interviewing him. My brain him. went out. Yeah. And, Jim and Taylor. I, I find a, a correlation between the two because I said like, uh, 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 Gene Sis, no, Roger Ebert. Wait, which movie are you, did you just say? Uh, Election. Uh, no, no, but which? Oh, King of Comedy. King of Comedy, okay. Roger Ebert said of King of Comedy that it's frustrating to watch and uh, and uncomfortable to remember, but it's effective. Yeah. And I get that feeling with Election. Like, it's- Yeah, it, it's not exactly an entertainment in no, some way. No, Yeah, it's sort of painful. High squirm factor. Very yeah. much. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And I definitely feel that with King of Comedy, too. Yeah, like nothing happens the way you want it to in that movie. That's really. what Gilbert like, said about the King yeah. of Comedy. Yes. It does, takes you there and it doesn't give oh, you the payoff. Just even being Jerry Lewis's character and it just looks so unpleasant. Just oh yeah, ugh, being chased through the streets and his cars that he's in and his glasses look uncomfortable that moment in election where you're sipping i guess it's a sh- it's a shake or it's it's an ice cream soda or something at the end oh at the and end you do the build up yeah where you gradually yes. when you <laughs> gradually go from forgiveness yeah to, to, who the fuck does she think and you throw the yeah you run after it just it's just that was a reshoot too that's really? not the original ending that was shot Be- months later it's so effective because yeah. that shows in the film like like a movie that you'd feel happy with. Yeah. You'd go, I, I don't, I'm not angry at her and I've right, gotten right. over it. I've grown. <laughs> yeah. I've learned something throughout this film. Yeah. yeah he learns nothing. Yeah. Really. We did an episode about it. We did a mini episode about, of just about election. And yeah. we're, on this show, we talk about how few actual black comedies you see anymore. Yeah. There's the Jeffersons. I'll cut that out. <laughs> Good times. Oh. We're talking about movies. Well, you're, very a movie, you're a movie buff. We t- and movies like Where's Papa. Yeah. You know, that they don't do that. What you saw in the 70s, those kind of really dark comedies yes. aren't done so well or so often today. And Election is one that really nails it. No, he loves the 70s and uh, even cut in 70s footage toward the end of that movie. There's working in New York. They show just people from the 70s for no reason at all, except that he likes that. You know, the, I don't know if this is amusing, but I, the scene where I threw the soda yeah. or the, the Slurpee or whatever at the car, we did one take and the Alexander Payne said, when you run, you know, because I throw it and then I chicken out and run because the car I stops. Remember. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. So it stops, there's a close up and I turn around and I run. And the White House is behind me, actually. I don't know if you can see in the film, across that little oh. park. Right, because she goes to work for... 
Yeah. yeah. So he said, just run into that park, you know, just run and just keep running because it might even be the end of the movie. You know, the credits could start as you're just disappearing, this little person running off into Washington. So I just ran straight into that park. And every like what I thought was a homeless man in the park across the street from the White House are all uh, secret. Ser- they're teaming with Secret Service people. <laughs> Who just saw me running as fast as I could toward the White House <laughs> and all came at me. I swear to God, there were like 20 wow. guys around me immediately. Wow. Dressed like bums and everything. You know, the newspaper guy, the hot dog man, everybody was on me. So don't, a- don't just run like a crazy person across the street from the White Gilbert. House. Take the heed that advice. I just yeah. I want to give a shout out too to his other, some of his other films. I mean, uh, their their films. I mean, Citizen Ruth is great. Yeah, I love Citizen and, Ruth and about Schmidt. And yeah, no, he's great. I'll see anything he makes. Me let's, too. Let's talk about you're a New Yorker like us. Let's just talk a little bit about growing up here in the yeah. city. Mm-hmm. And I know you're a you're a. I was telling Gilbert you're a, a TCM watcher. You're yeah. an old you're an old movie buff. I am. <laughs> and you grew up. Your dad was also an, an actor, James yeah. Broderick. Yeah, and we were Gil and I were talking about him, and I was we were talking about a Twilight Zone episode yeah. that he's in with James Whitmore. That's true. Yeah, yeah, and it's a, an odd length, so you don't see it very often. It's a, uh, it's so one of the hour long ones. One of those hour. Yeah, like yeah, or forty five minutes or they, something. There's a few of those. those. Yeah, and they don't put them on the regular channel eleven at no. eleven thirty when I was a kid. It's or just like it was. like one of my favorite Twilight. It has to be zones. a marathon, then you'll see it. Yeah, one of my favorite Twilight Zones is the Gig Young. I don't know if one, I know that one. That's like a mile from home where he goes yeah. back to Is that his where he meets his own, his own, he meets himself yes, as he a meets child? Himself, and yeah. that's one of those hour long. Wow. Yeah. Great. On yeah. Thursday, we leave for home with James Whitmore and, and your dad. Is that what it's called? Yeah. I have a yeah. still from it. Yeah. There's a little clip on YouTube. And if you go to there Hulu is, and you yeah, pay my, the two uh, bucks, you can watch a it. A guy who was in it said, I have this picture of your dad. Wow. Yeah. He came to a play just not that long ago. And he, he brought me this. He said, you'd probably like to have this. Watched ah. your dad in Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah, too. I watched him shoot some of that. You did. Tell yes, us. he too. I went on the train with him and spent the evening watching them all pretend to be hot in very cold weather. Agent Sheldon. Agent FBI Sheldon. FBI Agent Sheldon. Mm-hmm. I just watched it again last night. I met Al Pacino while oh. they were shooting, and I was for the first time that I remember starstruck. Unable to, I was like, I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I like that when I met him. Do you remember anything about Al Pacino, how he was working there? Or? No, I didn't. I was just a kid. I just remember, I couldn't believe it was Al Pacino. Yeah. Because I guess, I don't know why I would, I guess because of Godfather already. Oh, yeah. yeah right. So, you, know, you must have been 12 or something. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now back to the show. So both you and your father worked with Sidney Lament. That's right. Your dad in that movie and also the group. Yep. With Candace Bergen. Yep. And a bunch of, I believe, live television things in the 50s. Oh, cool. You know, like. I know uh, that. Yeah. 
you know, theater, whatever those are called. Playhouse the craft, 90 craft, and the, that kind of you know, stuff. Yeah. Huh? Craft, craft yes. Playhouse. I know oh, we, and, uh, and he did um, uh, The Iceman Cometh that Sidney directed with Jason Robards oh, for I, live television. Oh, I forgot one. I know you can a, buy. Iceman Cometh. Mm-hmm. Now, that, that was a story I found interesting is that after your father passed away, mm-hmm. You were doing uh, The Return of Max Dugan yep. with Jason Robarts, who was right. a friend of your father. That's right. And he helped you deal with your father's death. That's true. Yeah, he it was my very first job. I didn't – I knew my father was sick, more than sick. I knew he was not going to live, honestly. And it was my first job, and I didn't know anybody in California. And um, I didn't even tell anybody at work. They didn't know. But I told Jason had known my father, so I did tell him. And he said he was just so miserable to hear it. But from then on, basically, always made sure I was in the group that went to the commissary, just took took me to his house, his son, everything. He just took care of me, basically. So he treated you like his son. Yeah, he kind of did. I mean, he, he was a hilarious person, too. It wasn't all like, you know, he was just a great guy. And uh, I remember I smoked at the time, and he had quit smoking. And I was walking by his camper, and I said, "And I said, no, I won't come in. I have a cigarette." And he said, "No, come in. I like to, I like to breathe it in." <laughs> so he, he made me come into, into his camper with my cigarette. It's a nice story that he did, nice that story. he did that for you. Except cancer later. Except but, for that, you know. No, yeah. but uh, and your, your dad's work. I mean, I want to tell oh, our, yeah, that tell is our listeners nice too to check out Alice's restaurant. Yeah, that too. Fun in that one. Yeah. No, Jason was. St- amazing to me and and I think he had that there were a couple of, there were he was one of those guys who was always good to young actors you know he was he was a, an inviting welcoming guy he was kind of like he was great I loved him we talk a lot about movies of the 70s and New York movies and I didn't find this doing a lot of research on yet I didn't find that specifically but I know you like old movies and mm-hmm. I know you've been a lifelong New Yorker yeah so I'm only going to assume that you have a fondness for those kind of those those little yeah. pictures that we talk about, where you see like taking a Pelham one two three yeah. with your dad's yeah. in the pawnbroker, not a Lumet movie, but pawnbroker is a Sydney a Sydney Lumet movie you should see with Rod Steiger. Yeah, Rod Steiger. Oh, I should know that, and I yeah. don't. Yeah, but you you gotta be a because you grew up you grew up in it. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I I love Sydney Lumet. I love you know yeah. I, I'm. I also like oh, even older movies. You know the really peculiar when New York is just clearly a. A movie behind. Oh the yes, guy yes. I even, like, you know, I even like that. I've heard yeah. you say you're very comfortable living in the 1930s. Uh, but- yeah. I should. I gotta get out of that. It's bad. <laughs> I, you know, I, my daughter said to me, "Why do you only watch gray movies?" <laughs> How old is she? She's seven now. Gil- Gil- and I said because they don't threaten me. Yeah, I don't feel threatened. Yeah, I heard you say that that you that mod, things that are too modern or too a modern. Bit there might be an actor that's doing better than me or something. There's all oh, yeah. that issue. But if I see if everybody's dead, I'm pretty I'm pretty comfortable <laughs> <laughs> watching the movie. And you worked with Brando. I worked with Brando. Yep. How did that happen? Yeah. Now there's <laughs> no tell me yeah. there are. Yeah. <laughs> I was working on the Joy Behar show. It's at HLN. I don't know if you'll even remember doing it. And she made you do your Brando impression. Yeah. It's quite good. It, yeah, it's lost a little something, I think, you know, as the years have passed. It's, I do the kind of soft one. The uh, I don't even know how to do it. I'll Maybe it'll come later. 
It's pretty good. Isn't? Yeah. Oh. Did he crawl into the room? Was he late for the first meeting with you uh, and Bergman? And he was late. Yes, we were all rehearsing. We had been rehearsing in the director's hotel suite, or no, it was an apartment actually, uh, a furnished apartment. And uh, and he was a little late. And you, the whole time rehearsing, even flying to Toronto, I was like, one thing I know is Marlon Brando is never gonna, never gonna <laughs> be in this movie. I never thought for a second. Yeah. And they were like, you want to be in this movie with Marlon Brando? I said. Right, and then Jerry Orbach comes, and whatever I understand, and they're like, "No, no, it's Marlon Brando's coming." That's it. He said yes, and I never thought it was true, but he, we we were rehearsing. He was late an hour, maybe or something like that, and sure enough, ee, ee, the doorbell, and we opened it, and he was on his hands and knees because he was sorry, or maybe he was in a prayer. I don't remember, but he was very felt very in the, bad in the about velour being sweatsuit. Late. And he's wearing, I, as my memory is, a tan velour sweatsuit, <laughs> maybe a cowboy hat, and sunglasses. <laughs> maybe not a cowboy hat. I'm not sure about okay. that part. Yeah. So he showed up. He did show up, and he rehearsed, and he was very, very charming. Yeah. Now, Brando, in those last years, yeah. like the last few decades... It's like I think everybody was afraid. He's Brando. Yeah. You don't tell him anything. No. And so he would come up with like the dumbest, most crazy shit in the movies. And they'd be like. I know. Yeah. Let him do it. Yeah. yeah. Some of those things are. Yeah. Like there's a little frog in the formula. Yes. I heard he came. That was all him. Yeah. And they were just like, yeah, get a frog, get a frog, get a. And then in in Missouri breaks, I think it was his idea to be in drag. Right, I like that one. I like a lot of that movie. Arthur Penn. Arthur Penn. Yeah, I like a lot of his late career choices, though. He's also good in Don Juan DeMarco. That one I haven't seen. Again, people are alive in that movie. I haven't seen. (laughs) Right, we'll try to go back. (laughs) We'll try to bring up some old ones. Yeah. Ileana Douglas told us some great Brando stuff, too. Yeah. We had her on the show. She yeah. wanted to fuck Marlon Brando, and he was like 600 pounds. She couldn't get over so the fact. So did she try? Or what? Yeah. She wanted yeah. to. It, she wouldn't be alive today <laughs> to tell the story. She really wanted to. She was so smitten with him. A lot him. of people did, you yeah. know. You said you were gobsmacked by him. Yeah, I, I don't even know right? what that means, and that, yeah. but I felt it. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, was, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it when I saw him. Never mind how what he was doing. Right. Just that it was Marlon Brando. I did a scene with him, and I was I'd be like, I'm doing a scene with Marlon Brando. I never thought that would happen. Yeah. Was he using the earpiece by this point? He wasn't putting index cards on your head. No, right. He had the earpiece, uh, uh, but you you couldn't tell, you know, except occasionally, and um, when he'd have tech, he'd have technical problems you know, once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting an RF frequency. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> if I put my head here, I don't get it. Did he give you a tip during a, during the ice skating scene? Uh, Did he give you a... You're leading me to something which I'm not... I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe tell us about Bruno Kirby then. Oh, Bruno Kirby. Oh, he did give me a tip that I remember. But Bruno Kirby was in that movie, too. That's where I met him. Did you? any of you know Bruno Kirby? I, I, I met him at a party once, but I didn't have oh, the pleasure the of knowing him. he was the greatest guy. Adored him. He... Marlon gave me, if this is what you mean, a tip that was actually very useful that I think is, yeah. is a good tip yeah, so I think for that. acting, for actors. Just tech, it, it, I said, we were doing a scene, and I said, I think I'm not going to sit next to you. I'm just going to stay standing this time. I, I would like to not sit. Or maybe I wanted to sit. I don't remember. And I thought I had to check with him, and he was like, yeah, I don't care what you do. Yeah, of course. He didn't care at all. 
And I said, so I'll go tell the director that I'm going to do that. And he said, don't tell the director. Tell the uh, cameraman so he knows. But don't tell the director that. You're just asking for trouble. He'll tell you if he doesn't like it. Which is a minor point, but Mm -hmm. it's true. They don't really want to be told, can I do this? They'd rather you just do it. And that was a kind of a good lesson for me. Did he give you any tips or advice about acting? No. no. I mean, I don't remember. Uh, yes, he told me once when we were shooting outside in a uh, convertible. And I, it was blasting sun on me. And I was like, I was acting with him. For the viewers at home, I'm squinting right now. Um, and he said, you're, you're squinting in the sun. Stop doing that. And I said, I really can't see you if I don't. And he said, stop squinting. It's too monochromatic. <laughs> I love that. Not sure what that means. I know, but tell that us, was my tip. Tell I us try li- not to squint. Tell us a little bit. Great Andrew Bergman, by the way, another yeah. another terrific writer. Since we're mentioning Alexander hilarious. Payne, another terrific writer-director. A great person. Hilarious person. In Laws, and he wrote Blazing Saddles with Mel Brooks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. He should be here. We're going to get him. He's speaking at the Writers Guild uh, this month, uh, July 19th. No, you're so sorry. The <laughs> guy who, who you hate in Ferris Bueller. <laughs> so Tell sorry. us a little something about Bruno. Bruno Kirby was one of these. He was a, a New Yorker, although he was a, he lived in L.A., but he, he grew up in Hell's Kitchen on 54th or something in 10th. And he was really of that era. Like he lived on a walk-in you know the the ground level of a one of those old tenement townhouse things, and uh, oh, he had stories about being bullied and then getting his uncle's hunting rifle and sitting in the window. <laughs> of the, he would he'd say the Yankee game was on, and I knew they were coming, but I didn't want to miss the. I put the radio where I could hear the Yankee game, and I put the rifle in my lap, and I just waited by the door. For, it, incredible life he had, um, and he was the young Clemenza. He was young people, Clemenza. People forget. Oh, yes, people yes. forget. Yeah. Godfather and he too. had to speak Italian, which he did not speak. Yeah. So it was all by just- Convincing. Yeah. And that movie you did with Dustin Hoffman and yeah. Sean Connery. Right. <laughs> Sidney Lumet directed. Yeah. Now, that was a very odd one because Sean Connery is supposed to be Irish, I guess. It was a little confusing. He was the grandpa- He's Jesse. Of me right. and Dustin was- It was me- my father is Dustin and my grandfather is Sean. So it was hard. It was a tricky, it was a tough, tough one to and, believe. And it was supposed to be that he's Irish, but his son, Dustin Hoffman, is Italian. Is Italian and, he, and his son, I don't know you, what I was. are Jewish. <laughs> yeah. And how did this happen? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, Dustin Hoffman's very con- character, Vito, marries a Jewish woman. That's right, but they did not Jewish. cast it. Just to make it a little more confusing... <laughs> They cast, I can't remember her name, but they did not cast. I oh. kept saying, but she's not at all remotely Jewish. That's strange. You're try, trying to make this even harder to follow. Yeah. We like that movie. It's a, it's a, it's yeah, a very I original, well, different someday movie. Someday you'll explain to me what happened. <laughs> uh, we, the screening was done, and I was like, what did we steal? And oh. Does anybody know what, what just happened? Oh, you and sh- the guy who's planning the robbery is Chinese. Oh. Yeah, B.D. <laughs> Wong. Oh, Wong. Yeah, just yeah. to add it. Right, right. <laughs> now, what, was, what do you remember about Dustin Hoffman and uh, Sean Connery? Oh, well, they were great. Uh, you know, to be cast with them and Sidney Lumet, 
I was so extremely happy. And I loved shooting that movie, and I'm sorry to make fun of it. But uh, I don't understand the plot. <laughs> but, uh, wait, 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 you were stealing some kind of formula. Yeah, what did it right. do? I, 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 no, I, I sort of understand. They, they re-edited it. It was after that. They right. were like, well, see, we fixed it. I was like, no. Right. Because I don't understand. Good writer, too, by the way. Vincent Patrick, Vincent Patrick who wrote the Pope of Greenwich to, Village. Yes, who I became good friends with at the time. Um... Uh, they were very different, Dustin and Sean Connery, very different style. You know, Sean Connery is all business and uh, Dustin likes to explore, I guess. But they got along, but we were just all very different, very different people. I, and I got to know Dustin pretty well back then. I, I hung out at his house and stuff. I used to say to my friend that I wanted to write a book called They Called Me Pal. Because I always had like oh. these kind of celebs who would take me in for a little while, but I never wrote the book. You got time. They called me pal. That's fun. <laughs> you got plenty of time. Yeah. Right, so you might be in it now. <laughs> <laughs> Even if after the Ferris Bueller thing. Yeah. No. Actually, you're out. <laughs> yeah. You're out. He came to you first. I understand, Sidney Lumet. He cast you first before he went to Hoffman and, and Connery. That's, oh, that's usually how it would go, isn't it? Yeah, well. Uh, no, I don't remember. He I, Originally, it was supposed to be De Niro, Sean Penn, and Brando, as I recall. How about that? Wow, wow. And that turned into Sean, Dustin, and me. And in real life, you're an Irish Jew. I am. So in a sense, I thought I was kind of made sense <laughs> because I had this Irish, this Scottish grandfather. Right. And a Jewish mom. Like it could have been. And and Leo Garcia was an Irish Jew. <laughs> Did you know that, Matthew? Yeah. Leo Garcia? From, from, from the Bowery Boys. Oh, really? <laughs> and, so, and so is Kenny Lonergan, my friend. That's right. Kenny Lonergan? Oh, Kenny Lonergan. He's an Irish Jew. Jack Warden. He's an Irish Jew. Oh, Jack Warden. Harrison Ford, Irish Jew. Is that true? Yeah. I didn't know Harrison Ford was Jewish. Yeah. He, he's he so... So strong and handsome. That's amazing. <laughs> he, he knows. Ben Stiller, he, Irish Jew. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. I went to a psychiatrist once who said, I don't know which part of you is more guilty. I just don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Harry Potter. Is that right? Daniel yeah. Radcliffe? So it's a yeah, thing. he's an Irish Jew. It's actually a thing. You know, my wife is half, well, English. she's an English Half English, half Jew-ish. Ish. Yes, uh, and your wife, for anyone who doesn't know, Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker, excuse yes. me. Yeah. Yes. He, now, knows, he knows every person that's Jewish in show business, and it's come up on Rod this show. Carew, they always, Rod Carew. Rod yeah. Carew. Yeah. Yes. He doesn't know who Rod Carew is, but now, if he did. Is, is it true <laughs> yeah. that when you're, having, when you're having sex with Sarah Jessica Parker, yeah. that you that dress fine. up- Ask anything. You dress up as Leo Gorsi, and she dresses up <laughs> as Hunts Hall. That is true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I'm just glad he knows who Leo Gorsi and Hunts yes. Hall are. Tell us. I don't know where to go. There's, you've done so much. You've worked with everybody. I can go back it's to the funny. Bowery Boys. It can be boring even if you've done all that. Tell us about Jack Lemmon. This one one of our favorites. Jack yeah. Lemmon I worked with. Yeah. I, he was great. I did a, a, a Sydney Le, No, not Sydney Lumet. Um, David Mamet play for TV, that uh, A Life in the Theater. In L.A., and I got to know Jack. Le Jack Lemmon kind of kept himself. Uh huh. Very, very nice. 
very nice down the line to everybody, you know, um, very classy. But I never really got to know him. He was not like, come to my house Sunday, we're having a little thing. He was not one of those guys. He right. got in his car and his car that said J-Lem on it. I like The that. license plate. We've talked about Jack Lemon on the show. You <laughs> Jack, like Save the Tiger. Yeah. Oh, yes. And and Jack, well, Jack Lemon was o- also a drinker, that I think. Maybe. Was. I don't, I don't know if he still was. Yeah. That I don't know. But he, um, he said every take, this is a known thing, I think, before every take, uh, he would be, he was loose, you know, he would talk, you could be talking about the uh, Dodger game or whatever, right up until action. Like he wasn't one of those unpreparing, yeah. <clears throat> but he would say, um, magic time. You just very quietly say that just before his first line. Oh, well, I love that. Yeah. It's like Scheider and all that jazz when he keeps saying he showtime. Well, he said right mag- mag- every time. It was like a tick, like he couldn't help it. He'd be like, yeah, I don't know if they're going to trade. If Pinella comes over, uh, action, uh, magic time. And then he'd start wow. to sing. So yeah. it was like a talisman or like a yeah. good luck thing. Yeah. You ever favorite Jack Lemon performance? Because we have a lot of them. Oh, yeah, there's so many. He has them, uh, such an admirable career, I think. You know, the, the range of things that mm-hmm. he was able to do is amazing. The great directors, one after another, worked with him, you know. Billy Wilder, I, of I, I guess probably the the, um, the apartment yeah. would probably be my favorite. It's great. Yeah, it's great. I but mean, I, I could I, name there's so many. I, I even like him in broad stuff. I mean, we've talked about Blake Edwards, the the Great Race, which if you've never seen, I have he seen. Choose the scenery. Yeah, he can be very very broad. Yeah, yeah, but, but he's fun to watch. <laughs> Usually, he's always fun to watch. <laughs> you know, and what what, what, I what can else did you talk him about? A teeny bit. Yeah, no, I don't sure. think I should. Sure, yeah. go ahead. No, no. Yeah, no, he's not broad. Um. Yeah, no, he 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 can do everything. That man could. He's the versatile actor. Yeah, I if mean, there ever was drama one. and comedy. No problem. Equal. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, always. Oh, you like How to Murder Your Town. Wife? Oh, I yes. Which one? How to Murder Your Wife? Don't think oh, I've you seen. Bring up to that one. Uh, Terry Thomas, and of course, music by uh, Neil Hefty. <laughs> Neil Hefty, who composed the Odd Couple theme. Really? To bring it back to. Now, do you? How do you feel about the Out of Towners? You like that movie or not like it? I, this is funny. I saw. I actually saw the Out of Town. No, oh, not the Out of Towners. I've I mean the Sandy Dennis one. Yeah, the yes. first one. Very. That was funny. Yeah, that was yeah. that was very yeah. funny. I remember. Then they tried to remake it with Steve Martin. Yeah, and right. Um, I haven't seen that one. Right. I forget. Goldie Hawn? Goldie Hawn. Yeah, it was yeah. Hey, Which Hawn. didn't work as well, but the Jack Lemmon one was very funny. But funny and very depre- very dark. Yes. yes. Like for a comedy, remarkably unpleasant. Like Another, it's dark. Yes. It, people are constantly getting hurt. It's really kind of <laughs> well, awful. But we yeah, like that. Yeah. People, <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah, people yeah. being hurt, having to sleep in the park, yeah. being mugged. <laughs> You're like, where's the joke? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, so it oh, is. Oh, no, like, I, need a, I need a root canal. Yeah. yeah, that's it. No, well, wouldn't laugh. you put Prisoner of Second Avenue in that category as well? Yeah. Yeah, I love yeah. that movie. We, us and, too. And it's funny. Uh, Prisoner of Second, that was Jack Lemmon uh, in the movie. And I saw it on Broadway with Peter Falk. Oh, did he do it on Broadway? Yeah. Yeah. That was a very You saw it with Peter Falk and Lee Grant. Yeah. Yeah. Who we're going to have on the show. Oh, Next week nice. we have Lee Grant. And, and yeah, and uh, Anne Bancroft, the wonderful Jack Anne the Bancroft, movie. who's so beautiful in that movie and great in that movie. I I really like that movie. I don't find it as dark as uh, what we were just talking about. It's that dark 
uh, side of Neil Simon. Yes, though, it if is. You will. Yeah, and they want to get a children's camp because he can't get a job, and they're like, want to put money and buy a camp. It's really sad. <laughs> we just we're we're suckers for any New York movie of the seventies. Yeah, basically. And he steals Sylvester Stallone's wallet. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I got him back. He's I finally got him. I, uh, <laughs> you left your wallet on the counter. That's not your wallet, right? Yeah. And then he goes, oh, my God, I mugged the kid. <laughs> 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 yes, Stallone is on screen for like a second. Yeah, just running right. from yeah. Jack Lemmon in terror. <laughs> Isn't yeah. he a hoodlum in Bananas, too? Uh, yes. Stallone. Yeah, on the, on the uh, subway on the with, with the yeah. porno magazines. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, I just, which brings me back to Harrison Ford in some movie uh, shows up as a bellboy. Really? And he walks in the hotel lobby and he goes, uh, a letter for you, sir, and walks out. Wow. I should know this. Yeah. Shame on me that I don't. There's so many people we can ask you about, so many things. I mean, since we're talking about Neil Simon, I mean, what, what was your experience of, you work with arguably the two greatest comedic I know. writers of right. the, the, the latter part of the 20th century, Neil Simon and Mel Brooks. Yeah. Well, it was amazing. I uh, Neil Simon, I just was, I was just starting and I auditioned for his play, Brighton Beach Memoirs. And um, I read for the casting director a couple of times and then eventually I read on, I stood on a Broadway stage and I, and I knew that Neil Simon was out there, you know, and I could see him. I don't, maybe shook his hand, could see his glasses out in the house, you know. And he was so famous at that time that I was, I remember thinking like, I was surprised it was a man. I thought it was like a, a small factory in uh, a town in New Jersey. I thought, th- I yeah. thought that's what Neil Simon was. Like, yeah, like it must be a team of people. Right, Neil and Simon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like it's a company that makes right. shows. Right, manufacture shows. That's interesting. Yeah, I was really surprised that it was just him. And then I, yeah, and then the, yeah, it was an amazing thing to happen. I got the part. I, I don't know how that happened. And then you worked for him a lot. Then uh, I worked a lot for him. He did my. He then the same day as I read, the, when I finally read for him and the director in the morning, and they were like, "Hang around, and uh, uh, we want you to read with Jelko Ivanic, who's going to be playing the brother. See if you have good chemistry." And then while we're waiting for Jelko, w- will you take a look at this movie script? And I looked at it, and they said, "Will you read some of it?" And I said, "I have to leave, but I can. I'll come back." But I got. I I made. I was lying. Because I wanted to cheat, and I did. I went and got coffee, and I read as much of the script as I could so that I'd have a little. But I came back, and I sat with the um, director, Herb Ross, in the audience of this Broadway theater, and we read every scene of the screenplay together. Then I went back on stage and did the play scene again with with Jelko Ivanic. I'd been there by, at this point, you know, many hours and uh, when I was leaving, the casting director said, you you had a good day. And I was like, did I get that movie? And she said, yeah, both. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I had had, I had, had Torch Song. So that, that had, had made a difference. But I really walked out of that theater with a, my first movie and a lead in a Broadway play. So what was it like walking down the street, real high? Very surreal. I, was, I can imagine. I was floating. I was like a cartoon character. I don't know what I... I didn't really know what to think i was i went to get some food with jelko who was going to be playing the brother and i said i guess we're doing i'm in it they said 
So they can't take it back now, right? And he said, no, I don't think so. And then I, we went to some diner, and I remember at the payphone, I called my father and told him. And he was flipped out with excitement. And That's he was great. already sick, too. And until I heard him, when I heard him go, oh, my God, are you serious? Oh, my God. He was like that, you know? I had never, I had not released any of that. But when I heard him do it, I was like, well, this must be good news. Well, you know, a veteran actor, right? He knows, he, you know. Yeah, he, knows he was very real. excited. But I was yeah. sort of too stunned or something. I didn't know what to make of well, it. Well, and you'd had the negative experience first, right? With, yes. With No Small Affair. Yes, I had yeah. one of the worst. Yeah, I was <laughs> cast the lead in a movie opposite Sally Field. Martin Ritt, they yeah. both won Oscars. Yes. Great Martin Ritt. I auditioned again a million times. They were like, I remember leaving and I overheard Sally Field say, he's perfect. He trips all over himself. Oh, wow. So, uh. I didn't love hearing that, but I, okay. And I got, <laughs> to, you, you know, for the I, didn't per- trip. I didn't trip, but, yeah. uh, I got the part and, uh, uh, about t- nobody seemed to be getting along all that well while we were shooting and seemed to, I could just sense a little yeah. tension and then the tension sort of came at me a little bit. They'd say, you know, no, let's not do it again. Open the yeah. door. And the guy, the yelling. I'd never been yelled at by a director. I got yelled at a little bit. Then I got to the, uh, Central Park, where my little camper was, and they were like, well, we have a little delay in shooting, you know, but hang out, and then more delay, and then I was playing catch with some of the crew, there was a football or something, and then they were like, go home, and then the next day they were like, don't come in, we're, you know, Marty's not feeling well, and a few days later, my agent called and said, are you are you sitting down? This was two weeks into shooting, and he said, it's, it's over, the whole movie's canceled, it's never happened. They're getting an insurance thing. So did you think at that point you should get a job in a pizza store or something? What I really thought was, well, obviously, since I got that, yeah, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm going to be fine. I'll get oh, another one. Okay. But Good I then started, yeah, but I was wrong. <laughs> I started, uh, <laughs> I mean, I didn't really think that. I was like, I think I just, ru- I think my career just ended and I'm 19 is what I thought, which was sort of true because- then I would go read for things and be like, I'm the guy from uh, No Small Affair. And they'd be like, yeah, that doesn't matter. <laughs> and I just was right back. Like nobody cared about me or liked me at all. Like I auditioned for um, a summer stock version of House of Blue Leaves, this monologue, that this kid, you know, he's going to blow up the Pope. This is long, famous speech. And I worked, I was like, even though it's just two weeks in the Berkshires, I want, I'm going to work hard on it. And I did. And I got through a quarter of a paragraph, and they said, thank you, you know, get out. Oh. And I was like, God damn, I can't even, I'm nothing. I was really, that That was one of the lows. For some reason, that audition, I cried in the elevator because I was like, I, I, it's added up to nothing. Right, right. I would read for like a director that knew my father, and he'd be like, mm, no. Like I could not oh. get a part. Things changed. Things changed because of Torch Song Trilogy, which was not something everybody was like, thinking would do that it was a little play in a little theater and uh harvey firestein liked me and hired me and then that play became like a sensation so that's what once that happened then then you're reading for neil simon and you're the guy from that play that everybody's talking about and then everything is a hundred times easier that's what that's what did it it's kind of it's inspirational because you, there you were at nineteen thinking it's over. Yeah, and you had yeah. not even begun to to turn the corner. Yeah, it's inspirational and 
and lucky and you never know what the hell that you lose a part you really want and it made you free for something else. I mean, careers are just bizarre, aren't they? They I mean, are. They are. You wind up down a different road than the one you thought happen? you were going down. And one thing and we have in common is we're both Disney characters. That's true. Oh, you guys are in a fraternity. Are you? Uh, which are you in Lion King? Uh, I'm in uh, Aladdin. I'm you're in Yago the parrot, uh-huh. and you're in uh, Lion King. I, I'm adult Simba. Yeah, <laughs> I like saying that because I like that I'm adult. It's Simba. like an encounter. Adult group. Simba. That's my name, Adult Simba. <laughs> I'm adult Simba, and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I didn't tell my mother that I. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. I, I ate. I ate a. Yeah, I ate a zebra that I shouldn't. Have. <laughs> I remember. I forget what it was for because I remember I've run into you at voiceover sessions. Yeah. Because I'd be doing something, you'd be doing something, and and I I once heard a story that they said to you. Well, you're going to be playing the father of this character, and yeah. so you got to work on a voice for it. Yeah. And you said, well, what about my own voice? And I said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. That's funny. I do remember auditioning for uh, like a commercial and doing it, and they were like, you don't sound like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was in the booth, and I was like, well, that can't be true. This I know it's me, so that this has to be sounding like me because I am me. So there's no way that well, I. It's don't so say. funny. They're like, well, I remember hearing a story that they got Peter Lorre, yeah, to do a voiceover <laughs> one time, and they say we want you to say hello, it's Peter Lorre, and he goes hello, it's Peter Lorre, <laughs> and they said no, 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 hello, it's Peter Lorre. <laughs> And he goes, hello, it's Peter Lorre. No, <laughs> still not good enough. He couldn't do yeah. a good Peter Lorre imitation. <laughs> I guess that was my problem, yeah. <laughs> well, what do you want to talk about? We can talk about Christopher Walken. We're watching our time because Matthew has to go and he's going to be on stage uh, in, in, in a little bit. Just want to give you a, a couple of choices yeah. on the questions. A little bit oh, maybe yeah, about Christopher I, I Walken. I wanted to ask about Christopher Walken, too. And Biloxi Blues. And you Where? guys watched it again last week. You guys are a great team. Yeah. I, Funny I, and scary. Yeah. Which both of us? <laughs> that yeah. movie. Oh. And the tension. Yeah, yeah. That's what it should be. Um, he, I, he's one of my favorite actors, Chris Walken. I've worked with him twice. Um and I've seen him, and I'll always see him when he's on stage, you know, and I've, I love him. He's one of my very favorite actors. Now, uh, Christopher Walken, I heard always, well, he's done a few, he's shown it a few times, like in Pennies from Heaven. But dancing. his he really wanted to be a song and dance man. Yeah, and I believe he was one. I think he was a hoofer yeah. for a time. He was a, uh, like a trained, I think he was like a chorus guy, you know. Or an ensemble yeah. guy, as yeah, they would say. Yeah, because in Pennies from Heaven, he's Oh, terrific. that's the greatest scene. Oh, yeah. isn't, he, isn't he great in that? He's unbelievable. He's great in the Anderson tapes, which I think is his first movie. No, that's another Sidney Lumet. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I just always love him. And uh, I loved, loved working with him. He's just the most... And he's so tuned in to you and uh, generous, loves talking about a scene, and always made me feel good like he's there's some actors who just make you feel like you're being he just wants you to be good makes it so much uh, easier 
He's a wonderful actor. What do you got, Gil? Uh, nothing. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't blame you. You want to talk? I'm sick of you guys, if that helps. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of your friend, Kenneth Lonergan. Yeah. Uh, one, just a, a, another terrific movie. And a, yeah. And you're, you're not in it all that much, but you can count on me. Yeah. Which uh, yeah, he's the greatest. I've talked about on this show. And I just saw Margaret. Margaret, which yeah. I know had a tortured path to the I screen. I had a tortured path, and he's got one called uh, Manchester by the Sea coming in the fall, which I'm, is uh, oh good. I'm glad he's directing an, another feature. It was the darling of Sundance, which usually means I've got no one I'll ever, ever see. Yeah, that's gone. <laughs> but not this one. It's really he, he got like the best re- reviews of his career. It's going to be. It's a wonderful movie. That one. Yeah, I want to tell our listeners to check out Margaret. Yeah. And you can count on me. Yes. Which is just pitch perfect. Yeah. And I heard you were saying that a lot of times people stop you in the street and ask how your wife is doing. Yeah. Or they just say, I like your wife. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I've also had people just say simply, are you Sarah Jessica Parker? Those people don't usually, their English isn't their first language sometimes. <laughs> Excuse me, are you Sarah Jessica Parker? That's hilarious. <laughs> I never know what to say. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes. <laughs> who are you, if I may? Yeah. You want to talk about Mr. Brooks, who turned 90 yesterday? God. Melvin Kaminsky? Melvin Kaminsky. Well, he's just, you know, I I, I, I wish I could. I, yeah, I got to know him pretty darn well, but I haven't seen him in a while. He lives in L.A. Um, that man is a genius. I, I and I grew up on you know the two thousand year old man. Maybe you did too. I, oh, yeah, I, sure. I mean, I had the. I'm like a million of us who sure. fell asleep with the headphones oh, on. Oh yes, were you a comedy like, album fan by, in general? Yeah, yeah. And that one I knew backward and forward. 2013 was the one I had first. So. Mm-hmm. And I had the record of um, Young Frankenstein. I mean, they, you, they would make records out of a movie. Oh, sometimes. sure, we talked about that on the show. Yeah, yeah, I know that by heart. So to me, when I was a kid, Mel Brooks was. Oh my God! I remember. I went to see my father who was shooting Family at 20th Century Fox. I remember that show. It's a good show. And, and there he, was he, your father was picked. I think the New York Critics or something as the best. Oh, TV Guide. Oh yeah, picked him as the one of the greatest fathers. Oh, that's time. nice. That was a sweet yeah. show, Family. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was great. He was yeah. good in real. He was a good real dad too. Mostly. <laughs> so, so I, I have a few criticisms, you know. But uh, uh, there was a parking space that said Mel Brooks. You know, they would. Yeah. I don't know if they still do it. They would paint the name. To have your own space at 20th Century Fox, you know, you see Gene Wilder, Mel Brooks, Dom DeLuise, or whatever. It was, just fucking, it was amazing. Yeah, you know. And now, I gotta bring up Godzilla. Yeah. Why? Okay. <laughs> Are you gonna, do you like that one? Uh, no. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. It's all right. What What was your opinion of Godzilla? Well, I thought it was pretty. You know, I. I I, I thought it was pretty good. I, I uh, got some good in jokes. Well, yeah, I, you know, it's one of those movies where they destroy everything. I like oh, those movies. Oh, yeah. I didn't see what the problem was, but um, you know, and and Roland Emmerich, the director of it, is a very good friend of mine, and I and uh, everybody worked very hard on it. I don't know, and it made a lot of money too, and it got beat up, and 
I don't know. Yeah. You know, I tried. Maybe I'm not the right... For your listeners at home, I'm now gesturing, running, He's gesturing while looking running. over my shoulder in, in fear, which is why I mean, I'm not good at that. Little uh, trivia: the fisherman, yeah. Ralph Manza, the, the guy that the, old, the little old man that put the in the, he's oh. in the, the trail that kept, throws oh, the water yes. in the, and then the big thing comes out of the he's water. He's also the guy who plays Hitler in the bunk in, in the cafeteria <laughs> oh, hey. scene, the commissary scene in Blazing Saddles. Right? Yeah. Oh wow! Little trivia. Okay. And Matthew's got to run because he's got to get on stage. You have to get back. Can I tell you one thing before they go? All right. Okay. No, go. Just because we said about Mel Mel Brooks, I met back then in the commissary. Yeah. When when, uh, Jason Robards was. He was eating with me and he took me out and we went through the fancy area of the commissary. And Mel Brooks was there. He said, Jason, Jason Robards. He stood up at the table and he said, I have a role for you. I have a wonderful role for you. It's a Kaiser role. That is great. And then he said, "No, I'm kidding. We love you. We love you at the right price." <laughs> remember, you know, you remember yeah. those jokes because I'd never seen Mel Brooks in person. When I saw you guys and the producers, and Nathan yeah. pulled out every—I mean, am I wrong that he was doing a little bit of an homage to every to Burt Lahr and Jackie Gleason yeah. and Luke Costello? Yeah. I know he's a showbiz historian. Oh, he, he pulled sure out is. Bert, I mean, and, and Ed Wynn. Everybody was in and that performance. Zero and Zero himself, yes. of course. And, and various dramatic roles. He put anything. We both, had, we'd been in a long time. We started just doing whatever play we felt like doing. Keep <laughs> <laughs> yourself amused. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that was great. We ba- we barely scratched the surface yes. with this man. Well, because I'm so old and I've done a lot. Right? <laughs> 35 Thank years. Thank you for your, your lovely comments about Ferris Bueller. <laughs> <laughs> But I've never had that happen like, before. Like I said, yeah, I hate you in Ferris Bueller because I hate Ferris Bueller. Oh, I, I get you. Him. Yeah, that makes but, sense. And, but I believe you. So I did a good the, job being a that yeah, hateful person. I I believe you as this total smartass, yeah. obnoxious kid, <laughs> and I also believe you as these losers. Right, characters. that's a good. That's a. I'm being complimented. And I know. I mean, it really you is. Are. Uh, both characters, I go, right. oh my god! Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling it both ways. <laughs> so you are, you are a fine actor. Thank you, thank you. And now we have to go. Hi, this has been Gilbert. The Gottfried. man has to go. He's yes, still working. So what are you? I'm wrapping up. <laughs> this has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre, and we have been talking to the Irish Jew <laughs> Matthew. Hi, shaman be shalom. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Matthew. Thanks for being a sport and putting you. up Thank with his. You. Uh, yeah, it, no, it was it, a real pleasure. It's a busy day for you, and and I appreciate it. Oh yeah, we both appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having. Thank me. you.